2: Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to the Rebels Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Star Wars Rebels animated series. This is episode 16, recapping the Star Wars Rebels episode entitled The Honorable Ones. If you're checking us out for the first time, I am your host, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Let me welcome in host and creator, Michael Cohen. What's up, my hey, friend? How you doing? Hey,
0: so great episode. Uh, and, yes. and, and you were right. You were right. You said... Oh. if we go back if we <laughs> yeah. go back a few episodes uh yeah. i think when we first got the description for the honorable ones you you were saying like is callus gonna make a is he gonna make a change is he gonna be joining our rebels and i i was like no that's impossible they, they can't do that but uh <laughs> but in but by the end of this episode i i'm i think you're right yeah, it, it,
2: we'll, yeah. we'll get into that i i was i was not too shocked by that like i said we'll get into this and um some of this this really i mean great like i said great episode we talked just a minute earlier here great yeah. episode and you know after a lot of episodes of of you know recapping some stories of some characters we haven't got uh this was this is a great episode i think we're all we're all feisty for that meaty stuff coming up and uh this one surprised me a little bit i, I, I thought it was going to be a fairly good episode mm-hmm. but man just the. The common theme that we've seen this, you know, before, bad guy, good guy. It was just, it was really good. And the writing and everything, man. But we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, let's get into some news, though. Episode descriptions for um, for the last few episodes coming up. And one of them that stood out to me was, uh, I think this one, what is was it called? The Mystery on Chopper. No, not, that's not the one. Uh, it is called, Twi- oh, of course, Twilight of, of the Apprentice, uh, parts one and two. It looks like... Um, Ahsoka and Ezra and Kanan are going to battle the Inquisitors, and they're going to help. They're going to have the help of a new ally. Now, I think after you watch the one, this episode, the honorable ones we're going to talk about, your your initial thinking is, oh, wait a minute, you know, Kallus just went. You know, he seems like he's got ha- having a problem. Could he be the new? Ally? I think they're trying to maybe throw us off the scent. I think it, we could be talking about Darth Maul in this episode, but um, we'll see when we get there. But. Some 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 episode reveals and or some story uh, clues here. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it, it's 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 interesting because because we have seen the preview for next week and next week's episode, Shroud of Darkness, um, looks like it's it's starting the the sort of all all of those clips that we saw in the trailer. Right, sort of starting that endgame story. But then we've got the Forgotten Droid and the Mystery of Chopper Base in between them, and then Twilight mm-hmm. of the Apprentice being the last two episodes. So um, getting the descriptions now, seeing what's going what's gonna to be coming in the next episode, um, it's interesting, because I think that some of it, I think that some of the Anakin-Ahsoka stuff is going to be dealt with next week, and then right. it'll be the Darth Maul stuff in 2021. So... Um, I don't yeah. know. I it it is tough. I don't know. I it, will will Vader and Ahsoka be fighting in the season finale? Will they be fighting next week? I I don't think they'll be fighting next week. I think that the events of next week's episode are going to lead into that other stuff, and then Darth Maul is going to show up in there because yeah, that's that's the only thing that I can imagine.
2: Yeah. Well, it's funny about Darth Maul is is like we you know we always see. He's a bad guy. He was a bad character or whatever. But, like, after the events of the Clone Wars and the last time we saw him in, in, in the Clone Wars as far as animated stuff was, you know, his battle and ultimately, uh, you know, um, the Emperor's new vision for him. But, could he, you know, we've seen what happened in the Shadows comic. Uh, no, was it Shadows? No, that's, I'm thinking of the Force Awakens one. Um, what happened to him in the comic yeah Uh, so i don't i don't don't know you know could he i guess he he, you never know as far as these characters where he could go and it's definitely a possibility that he could become an ally Uh, although crazy it might seem but we see he's come back from the dead. so i mean you can't get any crazier than that yeah you know what i mean so so uh,
0: so you (laughs) think that they might be making a turn with this character and that he might end up helping the rebels in some way
2: and and I know that sounds really stupid and crazy, but maybe not this. Maybe not in the sense that he's just going to flip and oh, I'm a good guy now. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe there's some ulterior motives to why he's doing, possibly helping uh, them. And I think it's it's more cloudy than 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 him just going oh, I'm a good guy now. Yeah. I don't think that would happen. That's not gonna. That's not his. I don't think that's his M.O., but there's got to be some deep-rooted stuff maybe behind it. and Or I, this could be way off. I don't know. But I think uh, just the point that they're saying there's an ally, I think there's... Maybe they're trying to throw us off the scent, but um, we'll see what happens. With that. also confirmed was that, of course, we're getting Matt Lanner back as Anakin. And I believe that's in the next episode, so we'll see that. So I, I think we all knew that was coming, but it was just kind of confirmed that he was coming back. I don't know what how big of a, I don't know if it's just like a one-shot thing. It seems like it just might be he came back to do this real quick and then that's it. Uh, but still, that's kind of cool. He's like, like you said this before, he's our Anakin now. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's cool to see him come back. And with that, we've also, you know, and I think it was a New York Times, some kind of New York Times, oh, Daily News article. Speaking of what's going on coming up, uh, Dave Filoni talked a little bit about the Rebels. And he said, um, he acknowledged that, one of the things that he talked about in this article, Mike, was that he acknowledged that there were a number of plot lines from the Clone Wars that were left unresolved. So it was obvious to all of us, and we kind of knew this, that the Clone Wars was, was kind of yanked under the, out of the rug from him, you know what I mean? Like yeah. pulled away from him before they were obviously done. They had a, a ton of, sounds like a ton of stuff, and especially with Darth Maul. So it looks like we might, uh, this is obviously where they're, we're in into Rebels, so it's kind of cool that he gets to come back and, and bring this character back. Yeah. And uh, did you, I don't know if you get a chance to read that article, Mike, but it talked about that and uh, how the progression of Clone Wars from season to season, ran, you know, was, it just got better, better and better. We talked about that on the front lines. And they're doing the same thing with Rebels. The technology is getting better and better. And they're just, every episode seems to step it up from the next one. So we talked about that also. Uh, did you get a chance to
0: read that article? I didn't. I didn't read that article. But okay. yeah, th- there's, a, there's an interesting thing that happened with Clone Wars. Where somewhere in the third season, right? They they hmm. were able to step up their game because they had all their assets, and they could start telling stories. Um, and when you really go back and you right. look at season one and two, there's a lot of like, it, and, and the the series was originally conceived as as like being sort of of a bit of a conceptual. Um, animated series with the with the anthology style of it right Um, and that it would it would each episode would would be self-contained and that obviously ended up changing by the end of it with basically every story being a four-part arc for better or worse Mm -hmm. sometimes but um it's something that that i think we're seeing history repeat itself with rebels because we're getting a lot of one and two-part episodes on Star Wars Rebels, but mm. I do think that after this season, that the the assets will be there for a lot of things, um, and and going into season three, that that will get a little bit more um, of the ongoing story rather than these these I uh, backstory pieces. Um, I think, I think one of the reasons why, why we're having the, the feelings that we are of like it sort of having slowed down is because they have been doing a lot of backstory heavy uh, uh, episodes um, with a couple of like story progression episodes in, in between. So like um, last week's episode was obviously very backstory heavy because a lot of it was dealing with with Hera's past and and uh, I, and her father and, and all of that. And it progressed our story a little bit, but certainly not as much as our characters evolved in this week's episode, right? Like mm-hmm. like, Zeb and Callus went from being one type of character. I mean like, look, <laughs> I never thought that I would have said this at the beginning of the season, but Zeb has had the best arc over the course of this season. He started in one place last year. And now he's right. a completely different character, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. he's still the core of him is still there, but but he's evolved a lot. Um, oh yeah. And that hasn't really happened for a lot of the other characters. A lot of the other characters we've just kind of been dealing with background, and where they came from, and not where they're going. So, um, I think one of the things that that we're all kind of champing at the bit for, is to is to get to where the Clone Wars was um, where, you know, we're dealing with two, three, four part episodes, um, basically movies within the season that, that tell a specific story. And, and I hope that Rebels gets there. I hope that, that we're not sort of dealing with this one-off 22 minute story arc every week, because I just, I think that the storytellers at, at, Lucasfilm and in the animation specifically they're just they're they're at their best when they have a little bit more time to unfold the story um and and these little sort of one-off episodes I I feel like they end up leaving us wanting a little bit more you know what I mean
2: yeah right right
0: um so like I don't know. Hopefully, that's the direction that we're going, and 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 this season has been very, very big on finishing off or continuing stories from the Clone Wars. So,
2: yeah, oh, that well, you know, that, that's exactly what you wrote in this article. Was yeah. what you're talking about? He said Clone Wars um, was at a point where they were producing pretty much feature level uh, a feature level thing on a weekly basis. Where you're talking about those four episodes looks like feature type stuff, which is a hard thing to do in animation. And he says. He indicates that they are gradually working towards episodes of that scale, and they're just building their asset base yeah. and the animation technology they use keeps getting better. So he talked exactly what you're talking about is how it's kind of like a, you know have to, they have to, like he just says they have to get that asset base down and then they can start expanding from there. So he did he did talk about that too. So it looks like we will be going to what you're talking about, Mike, which is yeah, and
0: cool. I, I do think that the season finale. And and it being a one hour, I think it points towards mm-hmm. that. It points towards yeah. that being on the on the horizon. What I really hope is, uh, in in season three of the Clone Wars, we got new new character models for for our three main heroes, right? Right. And I would I would love it if we got.
2: Well, they did hint at that. I, I think a couple weeks ago we talked about Ezra and you know, obviously his new lightsaber. I think we talked about and. Yeah. Um. Apparently he's going to sport a new hairdo or something like that. So yeah, we've seen that done with we've seen that done with um, Sabine also. She had a kind of a retooling of her outfit. Yeah, yeah, mostly
0: mostly just a repaint, right? But right, but yeah, right. I, I I don't know. There there was a point in in. Um, I guess it was watching the preview for next week's episode. I don't feel <laughs> like Ezra's outfit reflects his character anymore. I feel like it was really appropriate in season 1. I don't feel like it's oh, appropriate yeah. in season 2. The character has right. evolved a lot and he's he's much more of he's obviously much more of a of a Padawan, much more of a Jedi now and but he's also much more of a soldier and his outfit doesn't reflect that. His outfit right. outfit still reflects that he's a street rat from Lothal, right? Um, so, so yeah, I think, I do think that like Ezra in particular needs a refresh. I feel like Hera needs a bit of a refresh. She needs to look like more of a commander and less like a pilot. Um, Yeah. She's all pilot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, Kanan and Zeb, I think are fine. Um, I, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, you could, you could switch it up a little bit for them. Um, but, uh, but, the, but they're all right the way that they are, right? Um, and Sabine, like mm-hmm. she's not really gonna change her armor that much. Um, but, but I don't know. I, it would be cool to see her sort of evolve a little bit and add a little bit more to her armor because obviously, like the legs, she doesn't really wear any of the leg armor. So mm-hmm. I don't know, there's opportunity to sort of expand those characters and develop them a little bit further with their visual yeah. look. Um, which is something that we got to do with the Clone Wars every once in a while. Characters, we get yeah. new character models, but um, but yeah, I, I yeah. don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. There have been some yeah, changes, I, right? So,
2: right, right. I yeah. think I think we will see that in season three. I think uh, this ending is going to be much like the beginning of the season, where we had the cinematic siege of Lothal, yeah, and we'll end up with the same type of cinematic thing with some of the characters. We can't wait to see again Vader and Ahsoka and all that. So, I mean, uh,
0: if, yeah, with that. Sorry, if Ezra goes with. With Darth Maul at the end of the season, then when we see him again, he's probably going to be a yeah. very different character. So,
2: <laughs> for sure, for sure, that would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, last thing before we get into the recap, uh, there's some Force Awakens Blu-ray DVD st- uh, news that has hit. And I, I don't know if this is actually confirmed yet, but a lot of people are talking about yeah. we could see a digital version of the movie come out in just like two weeks away, March 15th, with this yeah. craziest. Wow, that's crazy. And then a possible. Blu-ray release on April 5th. It's still not confirmed, but that's the number that's going to going around. But I, there's been a, a little bit of a, some, somewhat of a leak of some of the features that may appear on this Blu-ray. And uh, one of them is called The Secrets of the Force Awakens, a cinematic journey, which I believe is probably going to be some type of behind-the-scenes uh, featurette or, or uh, documentary. Hopefully, it's one of those. Uh, hour long, hour and a half long things where it just takes you through the whole process for the last few years. That would be great to see that. Uh, another one that I can't wait, if this is true, I can't wait to see this. The story awakens the table read. That would be amazing to have cameras recording the table read of this. Man, I, that that's one thing that I've... I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen that in a DVD before. Uh, I, I've seen kind of clips of people doing table reads in different movies, but... That would be cool. And there's a bunch of other stuff. Building BB-8, uh, create, crafting creatures, uh, the snow fight, blueprint battle, the visual magic of the Force, John Williams' The Seventh Symphony, deleted scenes, of course. You're going to get delete, deleted scenes. They talked about seven of those. And then uh, finishes out with Force for Change. So of all those special features, um, those are the two that I, I'm i really looking forward to is the table read. Uh, and the snow fight the blueprint of that, yeah. that looks kind of yeah yeah cool. the
0: the one of the things is that uh, and and anybody who was <clears throat> hardcore into Force Friday <clears throat> sorry will um will will know what we're talking about here but um there was a major sequence cut from the movie uh, mm-hmm. where the our our heroes get from uh, the the portion of Starkiller base where they rescue Ray uh, to the oscillator, right? Cause, cause they, they go like in the movie as it, as it was released, they just sort of like go up the elevator and then we cut away to outer space. And then we cut back and they're basically like walking past the oscillator. But right. there was a whole sequence where, um, and, and there's a remnant of it where I, uh, Ray is just wearing Finn's jacket, like there's no explanation as to why <laughs> she ends up with yeah. Finn's jacket, right. which is actually Poe's jacket. But you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> she's wearing the jacket, so all three characters wear the jacket at some point in the movie, which I think is a really funny piece to it. But um, there was a whole sequence where, like, they like they walk out into the cold, and she's like, "Oh, it's really cold here," and Finn gives her the jacket, and then. And then they they go. How are we gonna get there? And they and then they steal a speeder. They steal a snow speeder. And then they're chased by another snow speeder with snow troopers on it. Which is why the snow speeder was one of the toys. It was one of mm-hmm. the Lego sets. The snow troopers were like featured heavily in promotional material, but we barely saw them. Like the only time that you ever actually see the snowtroopers in the movie is in the big like lineup scene when they're when when Hux is making his speech. That's the only time that you see them, right? And cuz they were supposed to have a big fight sequence at the end of the movie. That got right. cut. So I'm really looking forward to that because it's this whole other action sequence that was shot and that the effects were mostly done for that just didn't make it into the movie because it probably it's probably like another 15 minutes, right? So it probably just unnecessarily raised the stakes in a situation where the stakes were already kind of raised pretty high and you wanted to just get from, from rescuing Rey to dealing with Kylo Ren. Right. So, right, right. so like it makes sense why it was cut, I think, but it'll be really cool to see it because it's one of those things where we go like, well, we've seen the force awakens. I guess that's it. We got to wait yeah. until rogue <laughs> one in episode eight. Right. But yeah. uh, it's always fun when, when there's Star Wars that we didn't know existed, or that that we in this case knew existed but didn't get to see, so yeah,
2: um, the one thing I wish they would do with these, and and for whatever reason they don't, and is follow the Lord of the Rings path, do and the
0: extended editions, yeah.
2: I just I just don't get it, Mike. Because okay, I understand that the director has like this is the vision of the movie, and I get that, but why not have an alternate? Take and like, hey, you know, yeah. deleted scenes. Here's here's the movie, even though it's two and a half hours long. Yeah. Throw those scenes in there, cut them in there. I'm sure they're easy to cut in and, and finish the effects. And get, I just don't get why they do that. It, it just yeah. boggles my mind. I mean, uh, you know, the, like I said, the Lord of Rings have the the four and a half hour editions. You know, yeah. I mean, each one is like four hours. And I tell you, if I want to watch them, that's the ones I go to. Because the, all that extra stuff on there it adds yeah. so much. I mean, think of this one scene, and you talked about that snow scene. Think of this scene that they they filmed apparently, and they cut last minute was the scene where Kylo Ren walks. He's you know he's going out in the snow on Starkiller Base, and he comes across the Millennium Falcon, and he goes in and he sits down. Apparent I, I think this is how the scene goes. He, yeah. he kind of sits down in the chair, and, and he kind of has this moment where he's just like. Like reflecting it, it, and as a viewer, you're you, you're so into the scene because you know he's probably been in that Falcon before as a kid, mm-hmm. and and just all those emotions that, and it builds towards his, um, this this conflict that he has when he finally sees his dad since you know he hasn't seen him in a long long time, but that that buildup that just adds so much more to that tension for that scene, and I just I don't know why they won't do that. I mean, sure we're gonna see him as a deleted scene, and it's just. It's so much different seeing it as as a one-minute clip, yeah. as a bonus feature, than, than thrown into the movie. And I think, you know what's funny is, like, I say that now, but I bet you there, there'll be somebody that'll be able to, with the technology now, throw that in yeah. there somehow and, and make that. Because that would be cool to well, see that. You know, I, I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Why, do, why don't they do that?
0: It's funny because Star Wars actually did it before The Lord of the Rings. Because... Uh, if you remember True, back yeah. to the Phantom Menace, when the Phantom oh, Menace, because yeah. the Phantom Menace was originally released on VHS, right? And you you probably remember they did the special like you could just buy a regular VHS of it, <clears throat> or you could buy the special edition VHS, which came in the bigger box and it came with like a little mini art book and a film cell and the and the tape, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, and and you could get it in widescreen if you got that special edition one. Yeah, which like yeah. that's the version that I had on VHS when that VHS came out. I remember like pre-ordering it and waiting for it and being there the day that it came in and and all of that. And then and then I would say like a year later was it was a year maybe yeah, like a year later they released the they they brought it to DVD for the first time and it was the first time that Star that a Star Wars movie was ever on DVD. Right, so it was the first time that we ever got special features. It was the first time that like anything like that and they put an extended cut on it. So there was there's a there's a whole sequence before the pod race where I uh, like the flag ceremony is like extended and each character gets an even bigger introduction and more of the the pod racers get full introductions whereas like they were kind of just glanced over. In, in, in the theatrical cut. And then the pod race itself, because you've added in all of these extra pod racers, there's all these other sequences that happen with those pod racers. So the whole pod race is extended. And I think right. it's like, I think it's a good, like 15 minutes longer in total.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and they did that with the Phantom Menace and then they've never done it since. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. I don't right. know. Cause I've never, I, I don't really pay attention to it. I don't know if the version that's on the Blu-rays is the version from the DVD, the extended version from the DVD, or if it's the original theatrical version. And this is one of those things with Star Wars where um, people say they want original theatrical cuts of the original trilogy, and they have no idea what that means. They have Mm -hmm. absolutely no idea what that means. Because the version that most people are familiar with in this day and age... As the quote unquote unaltered original versions are the THX versions. Mm-hmm. Because those are the only versions that have survived into like high def, right? Into into not even high, just high def, but like a, a reasonable viewing experience. If you go back, if you've got a copy of the 1980 release uh, or 19, 1980, oh, what year was it? Is it like 80.
2: It's probably
0: maybe I'm thinking 1990. I can't remember, but like the first VHS release, mm-hmm. right? The first time that, that, that all three movies were released on, on, on VHS cassette. And you watch those. If you watch a new hope, the quality on that is actually not that great because mm-hmm. it wasn't remastered at all. Right. Like it, what it was, it was this really crummy transfer because they didn't have the technology back then. Um, it's it's full screen it's not widescreen so it's pan and scan like yeah people people talk about about these movies like like their like the, their original viewing experience is holy and and in my opinion the majority of the people talking about that <clears throat> a lot of them that are that are say somewhere between 30 and 35 which is my age range they're, they're full of it because the first time they ever saw Star Wars on the big screen was the special editions, mm-hmm. right? And, and so when people are like the all hipster about it and want to be like, oh, we want the original versions, they don't even know what they're talking about. Um, because they've probably never even seen the original version because the original cut of Star Wars A New Hope is not the, the theatrical version that most people are used to because the theatrical version that most people are used to is from the 1978 re-release in the summer of 78 mm-hmm. when they brought it back to theaters and they actually they actually cut some scenes and they added some scenes and there are some alternate takes in the 78 version from this from the original 77 release so like, even, even before the special edition, George Lucas was screwing around with these movies every chance that he got, trying mm-hmm. to make them better, right? Um, and, and so, I don't know, like, there's, for me, there's nothing sacred about them. Release all the versions mm-hmm. and give, give fans the choice of what they want. Right, and if right. you really, really, really do want an original theatrical version that hasn't been altered, that's that's just a direct transfer that's been color corrected back to the normal color, then then that should be made available for people. But but I don't think that people know what that means. I mm-hmm. really don't. Right, like yeah. it. Uh, uh, but in terms of the Force Awakens, it there should absolutely be an extended cut on that because. I think a lot of us walked out of the theater going like, "Man, that movie could have been another half an hour, and I would have been fine."
2: Yeah, that's the thing. Like he, would, they were so worried about the length of the movie, yeah. like trying to cut it down to, you know, under two ten. And it's like, I don't know, man. For this kind of movie, you don't, you didn't need to do that. Like you could have went to, you know, whatever two twenty or whatever, and yeah, <laughs> nobody like- would have been
0: okay so so there's there is an important thing to keep in mind when you are doing a theatrical cut and keeping it to that 210 mark mm-hmm. if you go past that what you do is you end up killing one screening per day
2: yeah no exactly right, right. so yeah. keeping it under
0: 210 the second you go to like 215 now all of a sudden there's only so many screenings that you can do in a day yeah you could be
2: cutting a screen or two out of a, each exactly. day exactly
0: yeah. so so keeping it to 210 for the theatrical cut, I absolutely understand. For home video, there's no reason why it can't be a 4 hour. That's why the Lord of the Rings extended editions are 4 hours because you can put everything in there and people who want to sit and watch it will sit and watch it, right?
1: Yeah. Um
0: for for my money, I would rather that there was a version of the Lord of the Rings one box set that takes the movies and breaks them up into into like one hour chunks that like recuts them so that they're like self-contained episodes mm-hmm. so that you can just watch them like as a mini series and you oh, okay. can get the yes. extended edition, the full like 12 hours, right? Probably more like 15 hours and and watch it in let's say 15 or 16 episodes, right? And, and so that you can like, Cause, Cause, for me, whenever I want to watch the Lord of the Rings, I'm I think about it and I go, man, yeah, it would be cool to watch the Lord of the Rings. And then I think about how much work that involves, and then I go, <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. I'll just watch something else. <laughs> <Right. Yeah.
2: laughs>
0: Play some yeah. video games or something. So
2: yeah, exactly. I'll watch it on TNT. It's on every four hours, so let's yeah. Maybe, or at least the, we have TNT over here, Mike, and it's like they'll have these you know, uh, marathons and they're on like all day long. So yeah, uh, it's kind of funny, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where as far as the extended stuff, until somebody explains like the business reason they don't do it or the technical reason or whatever, I have just no idea why they wouldn't do that and splice it in there. You, you're putting the, the deleted scenes on the disc. Why not just incorporate them into the damn movie and let us all watch it for, (laughs) you know, it just, it makes no sense. You know, I mean,
0: they're, they're the 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 cynical uh, viewpoint on that is that they then they can do another release down the road right mm-hmm. yeah um, which is what they did with the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. I mean the the Lord of the Rings was initially released on DVD and then they put the extended editions out right. right yeah um, for for fellowship at least I think by the time that we got to two towers they had already started with the extended editions but yeah um, but yeah, I yeah I, I there is an element of that I think that might be there where they might just be thinking like will, will do, another version later or we can do another version later right
2: so, mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's just one of those things that I've always boggled my mind it's it makes no sense but yeah. hey it's good to know that it's actually coming I can't believe that it's going to be on digital here pretty soon that's crazy I'm a, I know.
0: I I can because that has been that has been the um.
2: It's as far as the time frame. Yeah, I guess you're right. I that's, keep forgetting that it's been out in December, but you still see it in the theaters. You're like, yeah, could it be? No, on? but like, but movies in general
0: have been doing this model where they release the digital version like two weeks early. Oh right, right. right? Yeah. So gotcha. yeah. I I bought uh, the the PlayStation Network version of the Force Awakens um, for two reasons: a because it was on sale. I guess for three reasons. A, because it was on sale. Um, so it was only like $20 or something like that. And I was like, yeah, sure. I have it on my PlayStation 4 and my Vita. That's I have all of the PlayStation consoles, so it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. for me, that makes sense. Um, and then B, uh, they, they offered a free uh, theme for your PlayStation 4, which I thought like, oh, that's awesome. I'll, I'll totally rock a, a Force Awakens theme for my PlayStation 4. Uh, I bought it, and I was very upset to find out that the theme was actually a Star Wars Battlefront theme that you could have gotten from pre-ordering Battlefront.
2: Oh really? <laughs>
0: and I don't. It's not. I don't like it. It's not. It's not like a, a nice theme. I don't think. But
2: yeah, I would have
0: <laughs> much rather had like the poster. You know, like that widescreen version of the poster as my background on. Oh it, yeah, my, for sure. On my PlayStation, sure. but. Um, in any case, that was one of the things that motivated it. And then the third thing was going like, well, I'll have the movie two weeks sooner. Like, I'm I'm buying the Blu-ray, obviously, because, right. because you know, like, you want to have all the special features and everything. And get your digital copy that can go on iTunes and, and go on my phone and whatever. Oh, um, yeah, watch on sure. the computer. But, I, I, and just to have the physical copy of it is mm-hmm. important for Star Wars fans, right? So, oh yeah. Um, so I have pre-ordered that through Amazon. But the thing about the Blu-ray is that, um, th- and this is a funny thing, the Blu-ray has not been officially announced yet. No, it hasn't. Yeah, by Lucasfilm right. at right. all. So anything that we've that you've pre-ordered <laughs> is Amazon's assumption of a Blu-ray.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: not an official listing, right? Because you got to imagine that there will be a special edition version of the Blu ray. The 3D version of the Blu ray hasn't been put on Amazon. So, like, I have a version that I've pre ordered, but it's not the 3D one, which I always get the 3D when I buy a Blu ray. Because if you're going to buy a physical copy, get the 3D.
2: Yeah, I'm getting 3D too. Right? Like,
0: because, yeah, our TVs these days might not do it very well, but one day we'll have TVs that play back 3D flawlessly without glasses right so so like it's you're future-proofing your collection by doing that right so yeah because you will eventually want it and you won't have to rebuy it but uh they haven't announced that yet and you know like there will be a steel book and there will be all sorts of different versions of this blu-ray that that have not been announced yet and i don't know why lucasfilm is waiting i don't Mm -hmm. quite understand like it, it, Disney doesn't seem to actually, it, that's not true. Disney totally understands pre-orders because they do pre-orders for all of their main Disney movies. I don't know why they're not doing it with, with the force awakens, but mm-hmm. anyways.
2: Yeah, I know you're right. It's, it's still like all conjecture, but, uh, yeah. but we'll see. I, it's getting close. I mean, it's, it's going to be four months, December, we well, actually three months, but still. Yeah. Uh, it's getting real close. as is the time frame that stuff gets uh, released. So I guess with that, um, we're going to hit the Rebels po- uh, Recap. You ready, Mike? Yeah, let's do it. All right. To defeat your enemy, you have to
1: understand that. Everywhere we go, we run into those guys. He's sending us reinforcements. Sham at your service. You're a princess. I feel like because I can fight, I have to. The Jedi are growing in their power. My gut tells me this is a trap. Is it wrong for me to fight? Growing your abilities are.
0: You should have seen him in person. He was my master.
1: The dark side, it pulls at him. Call me... Old Master. Hang on! I hate it when she says that! Ezra, don't!
0: Ahsoka, why did you leave?
2: All right, Mike, here we go with the Honorable Ones. Investigating intel on an Imperial construction module, the gross crew arrives at Geonosis. Sure enough, they see the base orbiting the desert planet. Strangely, Chopper detects no life form readings coming from the world. It's suspicious, but they decide to proceed with the mission and head for the construction module. They're looking for databanks, which could provide information on what the Empire was building. The base is unusually quiet, and Zeb fears it's a trap. And he's right. An Imperial astromech watches from the shadows, locking doors as Agent Callus is waiting. So, Mike, um, wow. This beginning, I'll tell you what. Uh, here, yeah. the Ghost crew, they come out of hyperspace into, uh, you know, here's is here. And we find out Rebels, uh, Rebel Intelligence have found out the Empire was building something big over Geonosis, And yeah. there's a there's a huge, you know, debris field, and the gross crew have come, to, you know, to check this thing out. And obviously, this is the final de- debris field of the Death Star. Yeah. And to have that continuity in, in this, and we've talked about this before on this show, you know, with with the stuff with the comic, it did that a few episodes ago um, uh, with with the Mandalorians and, uh, and here they're doing it again with, with, the, with Death Star. It was just really cool. And you're like, yeah, to be in this, to be a, like, you're almost like a fly on the wall here seeing what the rebels crew, they don't know what this is, but we all know what it is. It's pretty amazing. I'm like,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I really early on in the life of this series, I think I had said that one of the things that I wanted, wanted it to do, I wanted the story to be like the five year story of, how this crew comes together and then how they eventually discover the plans to the death star and then get them to princess Leia.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: And that basically the end of star Wars rebels would be the moment that they hand over the plans to the death star to princess Leia on the Tantive of four. And then she takes off and then, you know, we pick up with her being chased down by the Imperials who've discovered that she has the plans to the death star. Um, little did i know that that was actually the the plot of rogue 1 <laughs> and that that would be i mean not necessarily right cuz rogue yeah. 1 might just be them getting the plans to the death star and it's it's entirely possible that the end of rogue 1 could see i uh, i uh, you know those characters from rogue 1 handing off the plans to the death star to let's say hera Right, right uh, at the end of the movie. I mean, how cool would that be? Yeah. If if we got a live action version of Hera, uh, and and that you know like uh, I, <laughs> it is ridiculous that we're a year out from or not even a year out. No. We're Like yeah. We're like what like just oh. over 10 months away Yeah, it's... from rogue one and like nothing we get we've got nothing we no. <laughs> you and I have Crazy. seen a teaser for it right we've seen the teaser yeah yeah but most I had people, nothing to do with
2: this with, uh... most
0: people haven't officially seen that teaser yeah and we've seen a crew photo and not a crew photo but like a team photo
2: right
0: and and a couple of pieces of concept art um they need to. They need to to get on that. But, uh, anyways, yeah. I yeah. I it would be really cool to see one of our rebels heroes, and uh, and the only rebels hero, I think that has a chance of making it out of Star Wars Rebels and living on in the galaxy, at large would be Hera. She's the only one that makes sense, right? I mean, I guess Sabine, but but I feel like. I feel like Zeb, at the end of his story, by the end of this series, he'll end up with the rest of his people on, on, on what's the, what's, Larisan, is that what it was called?
2: Mm -hmm, Right. I
0: think so. Yeah. Yeah. The, the planet where the Lasat originally came from. Um, I think that, that, like, that's pretty obvious that, like, he'll have his arc and when he, when, when his story ends, it'll end with him going home. Right. 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 So him finally... Finally, uh, returning to, to his people, um, for whatever reason. Um, Kanan's going to die before the end of the series. I, I think people need to get themselves acquainted with that idea now. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he's, I don't think that there's ever been a more sacrificially structured character in the star Wars saga than, than Kanan. He mm-hmm. like, other yes, other characters have sacrificed themselves. I mean, but Obi Wan doesn't sacrifice himself, knowing that he's sacrificing himself. He 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 enters the Force, right? I mean, like he he transitions. He's he knows it's not a sacrifice that he's going to become more powerful. I think that Kanan will like his his attitude is that of self sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, He's, he's sort of been setting himself up for that. Uh, Ezra could survive, but I don't know if he'll survive as, as Ezra Bridger. He may become something else. Um, and, uh, and, and Sabine, I think, will end up going back to Mandalore or to a faction of the Mandalorians to help rebuild, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so is the only one that I see by the end of this still being a member of the Rebellion. And and able to to continue the fight into uh, the the classic trilogy era, but uh, but but yeah, this this scene where we see now, did you when you were watching it, did you initially think that 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 was the Death Star uh,
2: when they came out of hyperspace?
0: Yeah, because we see like the we see an orb and it ends up oh, that okay. there's two of them, but at first I only saw one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are they actually showing the Death Star? Like, are our are, are, are heroes actually going to see the Death Star in construction?
2: No, uh, I didn't even notice. I didn't notice. I didn't think that at all. No? Uh, I just, I, I could have went over my head. But as soon as they talked about the de- debris field, and as soon as Sabine said, I've never seen an orbital construction field so big. You're like, oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of hit you like, oh, duh! It's the <laughs> star. Yeah. yeah. So that that was the main thing right there. I didn't I didn't notice. I have to check it out again when I watch it again. Um, yeah, I think you know what's funny. If you talk about obviously they know they. Kathleen Kennedy has hinted that um, obviously these worlds are connected as far as um, animation and the movies. And how, like like you said, how great would it be to maybe like the final scene of of Rogue One is is like you said Hera. And the ghost docking with the Tan of Four. Yeah, I called it the Tan of Four. The Tan of. And you know, she meets Leia in her classic white gown, right? And it goes, you know, yeah. here you go. And then she goes, okay, I'm gonna take it to, to Obi-Wan. And then as the ghost leaves, yeah. you know, here comes the Star Destroyers. I mean, it's just so freaking cool. And it you know, as far as like seeing Hera there, it would be so great for all the Star Wars fans, because they could connect all these universes together. Yeah. But even like it wouldn't matter that like the normal viewing audience, they wouldn't, it's just Hera would be another character. It's not a big deal. But for us that are Star Wars fans, that's just like a nugget in there. Yeah. Tie everything together. It'd be so cool.
0: You know, even, even if, even if it was, uh, Hera meeting the heroes of Rogue One, whatever their names are, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and getting the plans and then saying like, I'll, I'll be sure to get these back to, to, Bale organa he'll right. he'll he'll know what to do right right like something like that because because bail is the one who who gives leia the order of like you have you have the plans of the death star you, what you need now like go get general kenobi because this is it this is like our time if, yeah. if we can if we can strike this blow like this is the beginning of the war yeah time, right yeah, yeah. and we're gonna need the jedi in order to do that um, and the cool thing is, Bale Organa, Jimmy Smiths, could absolutely reprise that role.
2: Oh, easily, yeah, yeah. Like, how
0: cool would it be if at the end of the movie, there, they, like, like Bale Organa shows up, and and Jimmy Smiths is there, and and he says something along those lines of like, it's it's time, we like the 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 rebellion, it's time for the rebellion to strike uh we and will we'll need the help of the Jedi. Right? Yeah. And for and sure. like alluding to Obi Wan Kenobi and and that idea. That oh that would be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so cool. He
2: could definitely do it because it's he's all yeah. the character, so you just you just kinda age him up a little bit and it'll be yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah,
0: it's it's well, I mean it it, it he's not even that old yet. To play the character as the character would be in this exactly. film because yeah. this movie should theoretically take place directly before A New Hope, right. which is like 20 years after uh, Revenge of the Sith. And Revenge of the Sith was only 13 years ago, so yeah. mm-hmm. right, it hasn't even been that long yet. So right. so yeah, it's kind of perfect. Yeah, you just give them a little bit more gray yeah. in the hair and, <laughs> and it'll be fine. Perfect! But, uh,
2: yeah, I think that, I think the last thing before you go, Mike, is just the fact that here, too, we find out that, you know, we knew the Genosians were great at building weapons, and they were tasked to do this. But um, just like the eerie feeling that, or the eerie thing that they were wiped out, there's nothing left of the Geonosians, they're all gone. So the Empire just came in after after they built this weapon for them, they came in and just wiped everybody out because they don't want yeah. anything, any news getting out of this this super weapon so and i think yeah. they talked about this like you're going to hear more um i think it was in the behind the scenes uh, the rebels recon they talked about we po- we should get something about what happened on geonosis so yeah. uh that was really cool to see but uh, go ahead mike will continue um
0: well just one thing to yeah. say before that is that this is another connection back to the clone wars mm-hmm. and um I don't like the empire. Might not be entirely responsible for this. the 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 republic had a hand in it as well. Because mm-hmm. if you remember back to the Geonosis arc, there was the the queen that was down there, and and I uh, the it was it was kind of the republic that ends up like dooming the last of the Geonosians, right? Um, right. I'd have to. I, it's been so long since I've seen it because that's what season three. I think three. Yeah. 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 And. Don't they, don't they end up like collapsing the cave that she's in?
2: Right. Yeah.
0: I think like, so that like, she's basically trapped Trapped. in there. Right. 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 And it's like, that's, that's the end of the Geonosians because that was the last Geonosian queen. And so there can't be any Geonosians after that. Right. Like that's, that's sort of, you know, like you're, you're cutting off that species Mm -hmm. and that was the Jedi and the Republic that, that had to do with that. Right. Um, Obviously, they were doing, you know, like it was a it was a fight for survival sort of thing. But but, you know, like rem- like it sounds like after the Clone Wars that the remaining Dionosians were wiped out by the Empire. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons why they wouldn't be able to repopulate would would be because of what happened in the Clone Wars. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. G- good. A good reason to go back and watch that.
2: Clone Wars arc, yeah, for sure. From,
0: from, I think it's season three. I'm pretty sure it's season three
2: yeah.
0: of the Clone Wars. But. Uh, here, I'll continue here. Uh, Chopper finally takes out the Imperial Astromech with a powerful electrical charge, and the crew runs for the ghost, except Zeb. Locked in combat with his most hated enemy, Callus. he's cut off and heads for an escape pod, but he's not alone. Callus follows Zeb inside, and the two battle as the pod zooms toward Geonosis. In the close, close quarters of the escape pod, their hatred for each other only intensifies. When Zeb sends Callus crashing into the controls, a thruster blows, and the pod veers off course. Finally, they crash land. Callus's leg is broken, and Zeb is slow getting up. The Lasat takes the Imperial's bow rifle and tosses it away, then throws Callus outside. While Zeb would love to destroy Callus now, he would rather wait for him to heal so they can finish their fight. They debate what the outcome of the situation will be. Callus assures Zeb that the Empire will come and he will be captured. Zeb believes his friends will return. Callus notes that their heat lamp will not be enough to keep them warm. They're not on Geonosis, but rather an icy moon of the planet. He urges Zeb to repair his transponder, but Zeb isn't interested in contacting the Empire, and upon hearing a distant roar, things go from bad to worse.
1: It'll be night soon. Don't tell me you're afraid of the dark. It's not just going to get dark, it's going to get colder cold for this to keep us warm and here i thought geonosis was a desert planet <laughs> that is geonosis we are on one of its moons ah. how is it that you have bested me even once now oh, get a sense of humor agent <laughs> uh. the transponder damaged in the crash. If you can repair it, reactivate its signal, maybe the Empire will find us before we freeze. Or oh, worse. I'll take my chances with a cold and whatever we're sharing this hole with. I know what happens to a sot in an Imperial prison. You don't know much. Cooperate and you'll get a trial. <laughs> right. <laughs> You better decide soon.
2: And I tell you what, this is the beginning of the this this unlikely partnership. And like we talked about earlier, uh, this is a common—not a common—but we've seen this before, where two guys that—and and I can't think of two more characters in this in this series that. Probably hate each other more. Yeah. Uh, than these two, and to throw them in this situation is was brilliant. And uh, of course, before that happens, we get a droid fight. Hey, droid fight! Everybody, come come check out the droid fight. But um, but back to back to these two. Uh, like I said, it's it's a well you know we've seen this motif before, but it's, it works so well. And yeah. this is just the beginning. And and I love the part where like these are two warriors, right? And of course. Zeb comes from this traditional warrior thing, and he was, like, the main guy. He was the, I can't, his episode, he was, like, the, in charge of everything, right? Um, and Callus too. And they have this thing where, he, like, Zeb has an opportunity right here. I mean, Callus is dead to rights. He's got a broken leg. He can't do anything. Zeb can easily just take him out. But he doesn't. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he goes, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to let you heal up. And then we'll have a fair fight and then, you know, we'll go from there. So uh, this is just the beginning of this and it kind of gets deeper and deeper as we go. This is just the beginning, Mike, of these two kind of filling each other out. And then uh, we'll progress as, it, as we go on here and how, how the story changes and how they, you know, obviously have to kind of team up towards the end here. What do you think of this part, Mike?
0: Yeah, it's uh, like you said, this is classic, right? This is, uh, <clears throat> this is your standard TV trope. Um, it's a, it's a, but it's a great storytelling device in order to, I, uh, I uh, sort of deal with some backstory, but also move our characters forward. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it does that awesome thing of humanizing one of, one of the enemies. And, and, um, I think it was Henry Gilroy who was talking in the rebels recon about the idea that, <clears throat> that it's much more interesting if Callus is not. A one-dimensional bad guy like mm-hmm. and in season one he was very one-dimensional he just wanted to destroy the rebels right and and um okay. we'll talk about it when we get there but but even what he said in season one about wiping out the lasat wasn't entirely true right and mm-hmm. i think that that's a little bit of retconning on their part so that they can get past it and uh, you know like at least at least they had the forethought to acknowledge that but but you're bringing these two characters into a position where um, it turns out that that they're actually they have a lot more in common than not, and uh, and that commonality is something that that will allow uh, Callus to see that he's on the wrong side of this war, right? Um, right. Because what he thinks he thinks what he's doing is right. And Zeb thinks what he's doing is right and and although Zeb is definitely the more it's really funny to say this, but he's the more mature of the two um exactly what you were saying but like he, he was the captain of the honor guard
2: mm-hmm.
0: and sort of in the way that he was dealing with that was that that was a past life and he'd left it behind. But this is the first time that these two characters have really had a showdown after the events of Legends of the Lasat. Right. So Zeb's character has undergone this transformation and he's returning back to his honor guard roots. Right. Like he's Mm -hmm. he's reincorporated that into his character. So I don't know if five episodes ago, if Zeb would have reacted the same way here. Because he he, like at that point, it was still hopeless. Right. He was the last of the Lassat and Callus represented all of that right like he Mm -hmm. represented the slaughter of of lasan and and everything that went on there all the genocide and everything and now zeb is in a place where it's like well although that happened it doesn't change the fact that that happened hope is not lost the lasat live on right there's a whole planet of them yeah he's not the last of his kind he doesn't bear that weight and so he can go back to being the person that he was before that happened, right? And and maybe carrying a little bit of that that honor back into it. So in this scene, when when he's like, you know, well, I'm gonna wait until you fully heal so that we can finish this this fight like real warriors, right? That yeah. that's that's a maturity that comes with the experiences of the last few episodes. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Callus is pretty lucky for it. Cause I think that maybe Zeb would have just crushed his skull previously. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's the thing that I find so interesting about it is that like Zeb is a very, very powerful character, but we don't see it very often. There's a yeah. lot of, like Chewbacca in that respect, right? Like,
2: yeah.
0: Chewie can rip your arms out of their sockets. Um, that's one of those deleted scenes from the force awakens.
2: <laughs> they, yeah, uh, they, it's they, true. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. um, it's interesting to when you see both Chewbacca and Zeb, they, they show a lot of restraint. And at the end of the day, they're actually pretty, they're actually, they're, they're big giant fuzzballs, right? Like they're, they're all warm and fuzzy. They're, they're teddy bears really. Um, So it's, 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 it's just, I always find it interesting when we see sort of the softer side of these, these, uh, giant monsters that hang out with our heroes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's I think it's a great lesson to be learned that that Callus looks like us, but he's a bit of a monster, and Zeb looks like a monster, but he's actually more human than right a lot of the characters on the show, right? Um, like he's got he has a deeper humanity than than a lot of characters. So I don't know, I I, I that's why I say like it's a classic trope but it allows us to actually explore these aspects of these characters right and find out that although we we view callus as a monster maybe he's not as monstrous as we thought he was right
2: so, right that's what, that's what this this beginning does here is it, yeah. it like you said it 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 has that gray area between the Empire and the rebellion and these two are the perfect characters to show like how the gray gray area is like like you talked about in these these last episodes like wow the rebel the rebellion they're they're kind of doing some pretty nasty stuff you know they're taking over oil fields and 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 the stuff on uh in the first season you know where they attack the parade so there is that sort of gray area here but i'll tell you what talk about a beautifully written and acted episode this is just the beginning we get this this Quiet scene here, and it kind of goes on. David Oyelowo, man, this is the first time he's had like a whole episode to really showcase what he can do, and man, I loved it too. And he had these like screams and stuff that just just he went all over the map here. And I think it's a and the guy who plays uh, Zeb, I think is it Steve Bloom, um, just both of them together. What a what a great uh, great pair, and just a like I said, ex- great dialogue and acted out very well. So. I'll continue here. Zeb does decide to fix the transponder, but he also adjusts the frequency, allowing anyone to pick up its signal. Callus assures him that the rebels won't win. Zeb says every day more citizens are joining the fight against tyranny. Suddenly, the heat lamp goes out; its power cell frozen. Luckily, Zeb hears something—a warm, a warm rock emitting light. It's a meteorite, and he tosses it to Callus. So. Again, here they continue this dialogue, Mike, and I think the one thing I got out of this was again he says um, they have, they're at odds here, and they say you know Callis uh, says the Empire will win. He's like no matter what we do here, the Empire is going to win. And then you know he says every day the Empire is persuading rebels, citizens, uh, sympathizers to reconsider their allegiances, and then Zeb fires back, you know what? Well, it's, we have people that are fed up with the Empire and they join yeah. us, so. <laughs> It, both of them are trying to pull support from everyday people to their cause. And uh, yeah. I thought that was a cool thing to see. There. Go ahead, Mike.
0: Uh, sorry, where are we now? Uh, oh, the okay. Unseen Roaring. Yeah, okay. The Unseen Roaring continues. Zeb and Callus must do something. The ISB agent says the transponder signal will never get through the ice. Zeb tries climbing the walls to reach the top, but falls twice. <laughs> Callus chuckles. How would you like a few more broken bones? Zeb asks. Then they're interrupted. A massive beast emerges from the shadows. It's a bonzami, a four-legged, white-furred creature with a horned head and razor-sharp teeth. Zeb runs, eventually falling as the animal overwhelms him. On his back, Zeb opens fire with his bow rifle. He blasts the bonzami in the head, and the creature backs away. For the moment, Zeb takes the... uh, Sorry, for the moment... Zeb takes the opportunity to hide in the escape pod, though the Bonzami follows. Using his bow rifle, Kalos blasts the animal away from Zeb. Together, they drive back the great beast. They're safe for now, but know that it will probably return, and with friends. Um, I didn't even notice that this that this Bonzami thing was... Uh, that it had fur, but... Uh, I, I didn't thought, either. No, I didn't either. I didn't, I didn't think it was free, but... Um, I uh, bonzami uh in the in the in the trivia section <laughs> yeah. it lets you know that it's actually like it's it's after uh the the word zamboni which for those who don't uh take place take part in winter sports maybe if you're from a from a slightly warmer climate <laughs> yeah then you don't know what a zamboni is but it's basically this big truck that comes out and cleans the ice after people have skated on it at an ice rink so because when mm. people skate on the ice it it carves up the ice and you get little snow piles everywhere. So the Zamboni comes out and it it's basically a big truck that that has a squeegee on the end of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's basically
0: right. what it is. But uh it's funny cuz they they designed the the horn, the front face of the of the Bonzami after like a snow plow. So I uh, Dave Filoni being a big hockey fan.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Obviously, uh, had a lot of influence there, on on uh, on naming the bonzami.
2: Yeah, that was that was funny to learn that. Uh, I, I know what a zamboni was. And I totally tell totally you just said that I forgot that Dave is a huge Pittsburgh uh, yeah. Penguin fan. So yeah, yeah, definitely hockey. You know, and here's another chance where, you know, earlier Zeb had the opportunity to uh, to kill Callus, and here's the same type of thing where Callus, uh, he had an opportunity to. Maybe let something happen to Zeb. Maybe the, the Manzami tries to get to the inside the pod and eat him. But he actually helps out. So they have that healthy, again, there's that healthy respect for each other. And it's starting to turn a little bit. They know they have to work together to actually just get out of here. And then they'll deal with each other once they get out of this particular situation. So oh, yeah. uh, I thought that was cool. Uh, we'll go continue. With a moment's peace, they talk. Kallus says he doesn't know what happened to the Geonosians. Zeb says Callus is afraid to learn the truth. The Lassat inspects Callus's bow rifle and tells him he shouldn't have it. It's not a trophy. Callus says he did not keep it as a trophy. It was gifted to him by the Lassat he defeated in battle. Zeb says he will never forget the Empire's raising of Lassan. Callus tells of a Lassat mercenary working for Saul Guerrera who killed his squadmates in cold blood. It's clear they both have their reasons for distrust, distrusting each other. Still, they resolve to work together as Callus knows how they can reach the surface. They will climb a pillar.
1: On Kira, Sot warrior way. When one is defeated by a superior foe, he gets his weapon. I was, I was only doing my duty. It was nothing personal. Yeah, what the Empire did on the Sun, I'll never forget it. We all have things we won't forget. I remember my first unit. The boys and I were deployed to Onderon to bring peace and security to a troubled world. We were on a routine patrol and ran into one of your rebel friends, a Lassat mercenary who worked for Saw Guerrera. I was lucky, knocked out by the first blast. I... I came to, but found I couldn't move. And then I saw him. The Lasat calmly walk through smoke and fire to finish my unit off, one by one. The injured never had a chance. Always wondered why he let me live. We can't judge all Lasats as the same. Does that sentiment apply to Imperials? The Imperial's eye now. I'll take that for you. For the climb. We'll get it when we reach the top. Time to go. Hold it? Don't climb the walls. Go up the pillars. What? Pillars will never hold my weight. Never mind yours added on. They hold up this cave, don't they? If you're wrong, I'm feeding you to that thing. Fair
2: enough. Kind of a longer scene, Mike, but I want to—I mm. wanted to point that out, point out to uh, to everybody, Matt. What a oh, man! Totally, the acting on this was so great, and it really sucks you in uh, as he talks about. Look at this—is Callus showing you like? wow, this is what happened to him. Yeah. And it really, it Zeb kind of like gets an idea of, wow, you know, this, I had no idea, you know? And he yeah. talks about the warrior and how, you know, he because he, he ha, he's had that bow rifle for a long time. We never knew where he got it from, but we finally figured out that it was gifted to him. He actually was honorable in battle and he got it from a Lassat. So Zeb obviously knows the traditions of of the battle. I think he talks about... um Kira-san, and uh, yeah. that warrior, the warrior way of gifting it if you're bested in battle. So what a fantastic scene, Mike. And he talks about Saw Gerrera, which we saw in the Clone Wars as well, and yeah. makes the point of that. But uh, what did you think at this point?
0: Yeah, it, it, uh, it's awesome that, that we have this great, rich history uh, of, of the Clone Wars to pull from in the storytelling, right? Like, we are familiar with so many characters throughout the galaxy. So when they need to tell a story and, you know, like, it's, well, the second he says Onderon, you know, we know where that is. Mm-hmm. And then he says Saw Gerrera and it's like, oh, wow. So Saw Gerrera was still kicking around as a, as a resistance fighter uh, after the Empire took over, right? Like, you sort of you put it all together and you, and you see, uh, uh, you don't need, we don't need to actually experience that story in order to sort of get the sense of it because it's, it involves familiar characters and places. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of almost visualize it yourself because of that, which is, which is a really cool thing that star Wars is able to do that a lot of other, uh, series aren't able to do because they don't have that rich of a background mm-hmm. a backstory. So, um, it was cool. It was very cool to get Callis's backstory here, very quickly, and uh, and to find out that that he's maybe not mm-hmm. the bad guy that we've been led to believe. Yeah, uh, that yeah. He was that that his that his history is a little bit more complex, his especially his history with the Lasan or with the Lasat uh, and and with Lasan itself. So, um, and and how he got his bow rifle is is very important um to that character uh and this scene if this scene weren't as good as it was that the last scene which we'll talk about oh yeah yeah not be as powerful as it is and i think the last scene of this episode is one of the most powerful scenes
2: in the entire (laughs) that's funny. we have to say incredible yeah um
0: and totally unexpected but uh yeah
2: well, here's the but, thing, like, yeah. as far as the scene, you know, like, he talks about what happened. He, he's not, um, he wasn't, like, vengeful towards, towards the species. It was more like the Empire forced his hand yeah. to do this. And he was just kind of, like, caught up in this whole thing. And he kind of, and that's how he portrays it in this talk. He, he, when he's talking to Zeb, it's, he's more caught up in it. And um, he was kind of like, he was just, like he said, he was just doing his job. And not to, not to say that he necessarily agreed with the job, is kind of what I got of it, too. So, wow. Well, um, yeah, some really powerful stuff here, but uh, I'll continue. Uh, they begin their ascent, but are soon interrupted as two Banzami appear. The creatures begin nipping at Callus's legs, and the agent screams in terror. Zeb, holding on to Callus with his feet, begins to swing the, the Imperial. Finally, he tosses him upward. Callus's bow rifle leg brace. Uh, Bow rifle leg brace pierces the ice above, and he's safe. But not for long. The Manzabi continue their attack, and Callus' brace starts to slip. Seeing this, Zeb leaps onto the beast, catches the ISB agent, and tosses him up and out of the cave. Zeb makes a desperate jump to the top, but can pull himself up. But can't pull himself up. Callus has him point blank. The agent does not blast him, however. Callus fires at the two beasts and offers Zeb a hand again. Another chance. I mean, this is cold right here. I mean, he has him dead to rights. Yeah. But he actually ends up helping him. And uh, as far as the, him swinging up at the top, I mean, it was a little crazy. Uh, but just the nuance between what David can, David Oyelowo can do with his voice as far as, like, all these screams yeah. and stuff. <laughs> I've never heard that before coming from Cal. So it was kind of funny to hear that. Like, he's acting... He had these serious scenes and they had these screams and, and whelps. Like, oh, this is, it was really funny. But, uh, yeah. good stuff. We'll finish it off, Mike, and talk about this last scene. Wow. Yeah.
0: Uh, outside, they activate the transponder and the rebels are the first to arrive. Callus says he will wait for the Empire. The two enemies have a newfound respect for each other and say their goodbyes. The rebels greet Zeb warmly, relieved that he's alive. Callus listens to the joyous reunion from the shadows. Once Kallus returns to the Empire, however, there is no joyous reunion, no warm hello. He retreats to his quarters with the meteorite, a memento of his experience on the Geonosis moon, and sits alone.
1: Uh (laughs) Zeb! told you he'd be fine. Zeb, you made it! We picked up your beacon, we were so worried. It wasn't so bad. We've all been in tighter spots. I knew you'd find me eventually. Yeah. All right, come on, Zeb. It's, uh, it's cold out here. You've been in it for two seconds. Yeah, two seconds too long. Admiral Constantine. Agent Callis.
2: I tell you, Mike, this is one of those scenes where I, I'm like, I get chills, like listening to this right now, and the music, and the way this thing in. And you said it earlier, and and I had written this down. Like, there's been moments in Star Wars and and Clone Wars and Rebels where, like, the endings just leave you like sitting there for a minute, just like taking it all in, and you you're just like, wow. You just, it, you know, one of them, of course, was the Ahsoka as she left. That was one of those powerful moments. And I gotta tell you, this was one of those same moments right right here. I mean, the the it's just like this heartbreaking moment where we actually are sympathizing with Callus right now. for yeah. like, this guy is is like a pawn, and he's just like it seems like now he's starting to figure it out. And, and especially how they set it up with with you know this the opposites of how he see. I'm I'm assuming he sees like Zeb and the return of his crew, and they're all saying hi and and the and the hugs and the and the kisses and whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean just the friendliness there. And then yeah. he comes back and they juxtapose it with him walking on his own like he's hurt. He's got a broken leg and nobody gives a <laughs> shit about him. And, uh, you know, like, Con- was it Constantine? that says, oh, hey, you know, he doesn't even have a, he doesn't even look up from his pad yeah. to say, you know, what's up, Callus?' You know, he's just like, whatever. And we find out, I think it was in the back in the Rebels recon, like, I think um, they wanted to point out the fact that as far as like rescuing, maybe you can help me out with this. They, there's only a, so much time they allow for to look for somebody who's gone, like a like a higher up official or an yeah. agent. or So they were on that verge of like, oh, just he's gone, whatever. We don't need to look for him anymore. We'll replace yeah. somebody else. So, oh man, Mike, heartbreaking. What'd you think?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was so interesting because we don't even think about it, right? Like you don't. First of all, I was a little bit I was surprised that that Zeb didn't take Callus with him because Kallus, I thought it was going where yeah. Yeah. Callus should be taken into custody in my opinion, but right. you know, I guess Zeb's Zeb's trying to do the nice guy thing. Yeah. Um, but Callus is a dangerous guy and he's done a lot of bad stuff, so regardless of, of his helpfulness in this situation, um, He's he's really the sort of guy that that should have been taken into custody and 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 I don't know but but the rebels aren't really um, they're not really set up to, to hold prisoners anyway so um, right. but yeah so interesting that he goes back that he's he waits for the empire uh, who eventually pick him up and then and then he goes back and and it's not the sort of thing that we really think about you know like when when they get rescued um nobody cares (laughs) yeah and he goes back to his quarters and his quarters don't look that different from the detention cells that we're used to seeing in star wars (laughs) True. yeah
2: yeah
0: and you look and there's like there's nothing there it's just an empty room with a bed uh, and the bed didn't look particularly comfortable. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you're right. you're right. And that's yeah. so
0: different from from what we know of the ghost and the crew quarters on the ghost, where where you know, like Zeb and, and Ezra share a bunk, right? Like they they uh, they're they're roommates, um, and they live in co- close quarters, and they and they they sometimes they get along and sometimes they don't, right? But they're And we talk about all the time, the, the, the crew of the ghost are a family, right? Yeah. Um, And, and Callus experienced a little bit of that and, and sort of notes that and then goes back. And there's a, there's just this, this moment where he sees Constantine and he's sort of, he goes up, he, he engages with Constantine. I think wanting to, talk to him about the experience, right? It's like, man, that, that was crazy. I mean, like we fought these big monster things and blah, 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 whatever. Uh, and Constantine is, he just ignores him. Like he's like callous. And he, he, like you said, he doesn't look up. He just keeps walking. Uh, basically like he, he, he briefly stops and then, and then walks away. And callous is just like, this, what what am i fighting for right i yeah. really feel like that's his it's it's the it's the crack in the armor and the thing that i love about this is that we've been talking about it. we've been talking about callus and and uh they've been doing to callus what they did to grievous in season one and two of the clone wars where grievous was eventually made into a joke because he never won he never won against the against the Republic, right? Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan and, and Grievous fight how many times, right? And, uh, I, Grievous always ends up running away like a coward. And so it really, it really lessens the appeal of the character in revenge of the Sith, because, you know, now he's not this formidable opponent to be afraid of. It's like, ah, yeah, he'll just run away at the first sign of danger. Um, they were getting into that territory with Callus. But instead, uh, they're going to take this character in another direction. I think, and and that to me is is really interesting. Callus um, mm-hmm. could be a character that really, really changes things for the rebellion, and uh, and and I'm I'm excited to see where this character is going to go.
2: Yeah, uh, that's that's the he, that's the questions that came out of this was does does Callus. You know, will he turn to the rebellion, or will he? Will he? At, least, at the least, will he question his motives? Yeah. And I hopefully we'll get answers to that uh, pretty soon. I don't know if it's going to be this season, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I and mean, this is definitely like a, one of those game changers. So
0: yeah,
2: fantastic episode, man. I, this is one of those ones where not a, a little bit of action, but it was the it was the quiet moments. The the banter they had back and forth as this episode progressed that made it so good. And this ending, wow, it's just one of those endings, you know, with the music and the way it faded out. It was just, it was one of those quote endings where it was so good. So good. Um, yeah, but, uh, but that's going to do it for this particular episode. Um, let's go into some, uh, actually some Facebook. I want to just, um, highlight a couple more people that have joined up with the Facebook page. Uh, we have, Jenny, I don't know if I've mentioned these before in the past, but Jenny Abrahams, uh, Doug and Eric, uh, Russell Ward, uh, Robert Jenner, and then uh, also Star Wars Podcast Awards like the page. uh, So we thank those guys for uh, coming on board. And there was a couple of guys that um, had had a – they were talking about uh, on the Facebook page, Mike, and it said um, they were talking about – what were they talking about? Um, I think it was – the force awakens soundtrack and, mm-hmm. and I know Martin and I think it was, God, who else was talking about it? I was going to pull it up real quick here. Um,
0: well, what you, you pull that up and, and right
2: now I'm just going to take a second and
0: talk about the star Wars podcast. Awards. Okay. Yeah. Do that. Um, they are, so they're in sort of the, there was a nomination phase where you could write in and, and give them nominations. Um, and now they're narrowing those nominations down. um, so far we have not shown up on any of their preliminary nominations i uh, I but basically the way that it works uh, is that there are uh, nominees and then there will be finalist nominees so um, mm. and those finalist nominees the the winner will be chosen from those but if you just go to uh, star wars podcast awards.com I think yeah that's the website or if you go to facebook.com star wars podcast awards um, you'll see that there are tons of podcasts uh, that that uh, that are up for these nominations. Hopefully, like uh, we've been talking about it on our Facebook page, and hopefully, we'll show up in the Star Wars Rebels. Uh, there's a specific Star Wars Rebels ca- category for Best Rebels Review Show. Um, and hopefully, we'll show up in the nominations there. Uh, and if we do, just uh, go in and be sure to vote for us and tell your friends to vote for us. Cause it would be really cool for us to get in there. Not because I necessarily want us to win an award. I just want people to find out about the podcast. And this is right. a great way. Yeah. This is a great way to find out about all of the star Wars podcasts that are out there. And, uh, and, and, and a cool way in the community for us to, to sort of come together. So, um, cause I'll tell you, like, I know that there are lots of star Wars podcasts, but you look in one of the latest categories that went up for for voting for the finalists uh, is the editing and production value, mm-hmm. and I uh, there are so many podcasts to choose from. There, uh, it's a it's, it's a pretty much every
2: podcast. Yeah, it's,
0: yeah, it's a it's a huge community
2: <laughs> yeah. um,
0: that we're a part of. So it's cool to see all that, and, and you never know you might find some some new podcasts to listen to. Um, uh, Rebel Yell is is uh, up in that in that uh, category um, and uh, I know the the uh, what is it it's the adaptation or fan fiction um, I our, our our friend Joe Mignano uh, uh, he's got a podcast in there um, I can't remember what it's because he, he does um, Dark Empire Radio right right and, yeah. uh, but they're like under something else and I can't remember exactly what it was, but, um, but, uh, let me just open this up and I will tell you guys, uh, iniquity hollow net audio dramas. So, oh, go. so go in there and vote for them because, cause they're friends of the podcast. Um, and, uh, and there's lots of other really cool stuff. I mean, uh, smugglers bounty, uh, is, is uh, smugglers bounty will probably win cause Smuggler's Bounty is the, is the rebel force radio produced, um, audio drama that they did at star Wars celebration oh, um, right. with David Collins and Sam Witwer and, you know, all a ton of clone wars and rebels voice actors and stuff. So, um, so yeah, there, there's, there's, it's, it's just a really cool thing and, and hopefully, hopefully we'll get to be a part of it. I found out about it a little bit late, so we didn't really get to bang the drum with you guys very much. And, uh, and and get our listeners on board to support us. So there's a good chance that we won't show up in any of the nominations this year. But uh, but again, if you go and you support it, that means that this can happen again in the future. So I haven't um, paid
2: much attention to it either. I didn't um, I didn't really know what was going on. I just I saw the the like on our Facebook page and I'm like, what the heck is this? um but again ultimately it won't affect anything we do but like you no, said no no kind of kind of getting getting the word out there is all we care about you know yeah it's
0: a it's a cool way to find out about new star wars podcasts so yeah um and yeah. it would be really cool if we did you know get nominated and possibly win for for best star wars rebels review show but uh yeah that's a long shot
2: <laughs> hey rebel
0: all- force radio has their own Oh, true. What do they do? They do rebels declassified or whatever, and yeah. and that's uh I uh, we hold we hold no illusions uh, or or I should say no <laughs> delusions of grandeur yeah. that that um, that they, they, they have way more listeners than we do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly kind of, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're they're the big guys. So we uh we 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 just. We're just goofing around over here. Yeah, we're just having fun. They're serious business, right? Yeah,
2: for sure, for sure. Uh, That came, like I said, that came from some new likes from our page. And what I wanted to also mention was uh, a couple of guys were talking on the Rebels podcast Facebook page about the uh, the behind-the-scenes video on the Force Awakens score. And Christopher Baca and Jeffrey Beaumont commented on it. And uh, they were just talking about how they they loved the, uh, the medley the orchestra played. And uh, mm-hmm. Jeff was saying, for me, John Williams—he's the last of the romance composers: Bach, Brahms, Beethoven, and Williams. When he's gone, no one will be left. And I gotta say, like, when you talk about like scores, and when you talk about memorable, when someone says, "Hey, yeah. name a name a score," you know, it's like usually Superman, Jaws, Star Wars, Close Encounters, Raiders. You know, and guess who did all of those? You know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's Jurassic just, Park. This guy, Jurassic
2: Park. Right. Yeah. Uh, the list goes on. He's got like yeah. 45 some odd Oscar nominations. I think he's only yeah. like five or six. But the dude is a legend, obviously. Obviously. And uh, just everything he touches seems to turn into gold. So, But
0: you know what? I will say that um, that there is a, an obvious successor to John Williams' mantle. Um when that one day happens, uh, when that gets passed on, whether he retires or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's Michael Giacchino. Right. And I, uh, I, Michael Giacchino has done some, some incredible scores, including he did Star Trek uh, for the 2009 version, as well as Star Trek into darkness. He mm-hmm. did the, the soundtrack for John Carter. Um, and, uh, and <clears throat> we don't currently know who's doing the score, for Rogue One, but it will probably not be John Williams.
2: No, right. right?
0: So um, I'd say there's probably a pretty good chance that it'll be that it'll be Michael Giacchino. Uh, it could end up being um, uh, Brian Tyler does a lot of work uh, on the Marvel movies, so so that's a that's a logical choice. Um, I and he did he did Iron Man three, which I which there there are some pretty good pieces of score in the marvel movies but uh iron man 3 has the best score Mm -hmm. of of any marvel movie i think uh, uh, by a long shot so um and i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that's brian tyler yeah i'm pretty sure so like i I understand that that john williams is is sort of in a class above a lot of people but um but there are there are some good some other good composers out there so Mm -hmm. i'll just say that
2: yeah yeah And, and and speaking of williams too like to finish up with him like Obviously, like the Force Awakens soundtrack didn't get the the buzz or whatever that some of his other soundtracks have gotten. But I got to tell you, listening, yeah. watching that video and seeing like like race theme is really starting to grow on me. Like th- that's really a great, great, great yeah. score, and I think that's being undersold. And that I, it's just one of those that's kind of just grows on me every every time I see that and or, or hear it. So. Uh, hey, next time on Star Wars Rebels, we are getting down a dirty mic to the last few here. It is the Shroud of Darkness. Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka return to the Jedi Temple on Lothal, seeking answers from Yoda about the Inquisitor's ability to continually track the Rebels. And here's a quick taste.
1: Next Wednesday on Star Wars Rebels. That percent chance of success maybe this base isn't so perfect after all i'm not giving up without a fight still a terrible plan we can't run from the inquisitors forever we've got to get used to not having them around a jedi temple master yoda surprised are you star wars with
2: next- oh my we got yoda sith inquisitors jedi temple man it's it's, uh, it's starting to happen here, Mike. We're getting down and dirty. What do you think?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, obvious reasons to get excited. Um, yeah. We, we've got Ahsoka coming back. Yeah. Playing a big part in this episode. Um, I haven't seen the preview that you just played. Uh, I've seen some other oh, movies. Okay. I've seen the one on Rebels Recon and the one.
2: Yeah, there's a few going uh, around, yeah. But,
0: uh, but yeah. yeah, our Disney XD doesn't play the previews for next week's episode. Uh, right after the episode, at least I, they probably play it in like during the week or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited. I'm excited for Yoda to come back. I'm excited for what that means, um, and we're we're getting there. It's yeah. we're getting into it, It's weird because we've got this episode, and then we've got these two episodes that seem to be about Chopper. Um, but it looks like like that's also leading us towards uh the the a base for our rebels so right Um, oh yeah Yeah. i but i i yeah stuff's stuff's going down something's something's coming
2: we're yeah we're on that we're not on the downhill slope and we're getting to those meat episodes we we saw on that trailer a while back so man this is exciting yeah
0: and i think we've got shroud of darkness is coming up this week and then we have a one week break right right uh, So, yeah, yeah, which will be nice because Quiver is also arrows on on a two-week hiatus. So I'll have one week where I won't have to record a podcast.
2: (laughs) Whoa. A little vacation vacation for us, then. All right. Good stuff. That's it for this episode. Yeah,
0: but that's it. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can head to RebelsPodcast.com for all the latest news where Tim keeps you guys up to date with everything you need to know about Star Wars Rebels, and we thank him for that. Uh of course you can also fa- follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Rebels Podcast, as well as on Twitter at Rebels Podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Arkwolf, A R K W U L F, and you can follow Matt at the Crankster. That's Crankster yes. with a K. Uh. Thank you. And uh and we are part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Uh you can go to thunderquack.com to check out all of the other great podcasts in our network. Uh After I finish up recording this, uh, I'm going to be getting ready to record this month's episodes of the Pullbox podcast, so uh, people should check out that podcast. That's part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, um, where Curtis and I review comic books. It's a a graphic novel book club, Uh, so basically every month we pick three books. I pick a book, Curtis picks a book, and then our listeners... Uh, pick a book and uh, and we go away We read those and then we come back and we discuss Them so uh, you can check That out you can find links to that at Thunderquack.com and If you enjoy our podcasts You can go to Patreon.com slash Thunderquack to, uh, to Help support us in producing Them uh, podcasting Is not actually that cheap um, <laughs> it, it Adds up when you're doing eight or so Podcasts and, uh, and and we appreciate the support of all of our awesome listeners who head to patreon.com/thunderquack to support us by chipping in. Uh, just a dollar. I mean, like every, every dollar helps. And, and if everybody who listens chips in, then uh, then it allows us to, to uh, I increase the quality on our podcast, um, do cool things like uh, like what we've started doing, which is our quarterly giveaway. If you go and you donate a dollar or more, you'll be, uh, you'll be entered into our quarterly giveaway uh, uh, where uh, this, uh, this next one will be at the end of March. And we're giving away a $25 Amazon gift card and a digital copy of the Batman v Superman soundtrack because uh, that'll all sort of coincide with one another. We'll be announcing our winner on the Batman V Superman spoiler cast that we'll do at the end of March. So um, uh, which we do live on YouTube. Uh, so So yeah, if you're if you're a Patreon supporter already, then you're already entered to win. Uh, but if you if you head there, uh, patreon.com/thunderquack and kick in uh, a dollar or more, you'll be entered into that giveaway. I, you will also, uh, at, at other levels, $5, $10, 15, 20, uh, there are, there are some awesome perks. It's kind of like Kickstarter, but on a monthly basis. So it's kind of ongoing. So you don't need to go and, you know, you know, I, I shell out a bunch of cash all at once. Um, your, your monthly support is much more important to us than, uh, than a one-time thing. So, uh, mm. uh, we appreciate everybody over there who does support us and uh and and we hope that you guys go check it out that you enjoy the podcast enough that you would like them to continue in perpetuity so uh, <laughs> yes so that's it for this week uh and we will catch you guys next week for shroud of darkness
2: see you next week